Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Casual Friday. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Uh, One of the things we talked about this week was the history of bonsai. Yeah, it's been on your list for so long. It has. Um, I will also confess to you that um, as part of doing this episode... You know how you get, maybe you don't, you know how I get obsessed with some of the stuff we research? Uh-huh. I may have reached out to a bonsai um, nursery so I can get some of my own to start. Just a couple. Ooh. I'm I'm not going to be too foolish. I have that bad problem where I get interested in something and then I order 22 of that thing because I'm overenthusiastic and then I'm like, oh, I, this is more than I can handle. I didn't this time. Yeah. Just two babies. Just two. That two sounds babies. doable. Yeah, I got to come up with good names for them. Yeah. <laughs> I will keep you posted on their uh, their success. I fear I have a mixed thumb when it comes to gardening in general, right? Mm, like, mm-hmm. I can grow a rose like nobody's business. I don't know why. It's really just blind luck. Uh, and I do pretty well with hardy hibiscus, but there are other plants that just are like, Goodbye. I can't save them and it breaks my heart. So hopefully my bonsai will survive. Um, I discovered while doing this episode also like one of the greatest coping mechanisms I could ever, ever envision, which is to go on YouTube and watch long videos of people clipping their bonsai. Oh, (laughs) 
Um, or like if you see a bonsai master who will talk through like how they're caring for the it's so soothing. It's it's the best. I'm not a person that's great at meditation. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not great at being still. I'm not. So for me, this is kind of like a good bridge to that kind of mental state where I'm just like, I suddenly find myself just completely enraptured quietly watching these videos yeah, yeah. for long periods of time. That's cool. I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I feel like I should also mention the other thing that comes to my mind every time the subject of bonsai comes up, which is n- not... A- a good representation of it. There used to be an animated series called Home Movies, which was by Lauren Bouchard, and uh, it starred Brendan Small. Lauren Bouchard, in case you don't know, is the creator of Bob's Burgers as well, and now uh, Central Park, um, which are also shows that I love. And uh, there was a character on Home Movies called Coach McGurk that was voiced by John Benjamin, and he was like this kind of big train wreck of a soccer coach (laughs) for this (laughs) elementary school. But in one episode, with absolutely no context, one of the kids goes to his house, and it's a very rudimentary animation style, and he's just sitting there, <laughs> like, with a bunch of bonsai trees, like, <laughs> cultivating them, and it's so out of character, and so completely random for that character to be doing, and they never explained it, <laughs> I just loved it. <laughs> Um, there was another popular culture thing that came up in a lot of the discussions that I read, both online and in books, about how bonsai became popularized in uh, um, in American pop culture. Mm-hmm. Do can you guess what it is? The Karate Kid. Yes. <laughs> this is where I confess that I have never seen any of those movies. Yeah, I have definitely seen the first one. Um, and I don't know if I've seen other ones, but like I, I can visualize a scene of taking care of bonsai in that in like Karate Kid one was just known as the Karate Kid when it originally came out. There was no one after it, obviously. Yes, there were actually a lot of bonsai apparently in <laughs> movies, but I, having never seen them, even though I'm in exactly the right age range. Yeah. To have watched them when they came out, I think uh, that was probably one of those many instances where I was too, um, I was too cool for popular culture. It's too mainstream (laughs) for me. I'm going to go, you know, start uh, trying to read and parse Derrida, which I never really got very good at. (laughs) I'm going to go watch Enchant Andalou while you guys watch Karate Kids. So pretentious on my part. So pretentious. That Um, is rivaling me for some pretentiousness, but most of my pretentiousness was like post-college. Oh, no, I got that stuff out of the way early. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to my just free-to-be stage earlier than most people, I think. Uh, Yeah, but it's interesting. I have always loved the concept of bonsai, but admittedly, uh, through that very, very uninformed uh, sort of pop culture angle on it. So uh, as I have gotten older and have done more reading on plant life and gardening in general and started to really appreciate just how much effort goes into the design and creation of these pieces, um, I realized, one, it's amazing, and two, it's something I probably would never have the focus to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that potato bonsai come out? <laughs> yeah. Like you, I have mixed results trying to uh, grow plants of any sort. 
Um, so I've never tried anything with with bonsai specifically. Not even the potato thing, which even as a child, I was like, I I think this misses the point. Yeah. I feel like my mom, who similarly had sort of a flighty attention span and would get obsessed with things for about 12 minutes at a time, I feel like she purchased one of those, like, really fakey bonsai from, like, a craft store at one point that had, like, a lot of things glued into it, and I'm not even sure if it was alive or not. Right. I think probably a lot of kids in... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the U.S. have a similar experience in terms of their exposure. They're in our age range to bonsai in like the 70s and 80s. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about this week was Abraham Flexner and the Flexner Report. Yeah, yeah. I was glad when you brought this up because when you did, I had just listened to the Sawbones episode um, that I like mentioned in, in the podcast, which mentions that um, efforts to reform medical education generally led to schools for Black students being closed. That, like I said in the episode, like that episode is really worth listening to um, for a a different angle on the same topics. Yeah, it's, um, as I said in the episode, it's, I have such a complicated relationship with this material because I I want to support the idea of educational reform. And certainly there were a lot of really, really, not high-minded medical schools opening in the U.S. that basically were like, can you write a check? Please come in. Uh, And those obviously needed to not be operating or not operating the way they were. But this did create such a long-term ripple effect. Yeah. uh, For the Black community that it's really, really... um, sort of difficult to still think, like, that was a great thing. Um, It's interesting to think about how much power that one report had, that, like, half of the medical schools in the country had closed within 10 years of its publication. Yeah. Um, That is a a lot of power for someone who was not from the medical community to have wielded. Yeah, that's one of the things that was mentioned in the episode was that because he had an outsider's perspective, he was able to look at everything without a lot of preconceptions. Um, and it's like there's there's truth to that, but that also means that he he didn't have experience. Yeah, he didn't have context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, it's a fair point that, that medical schools needed to be reformed and, and that there wasn't a lot of standardization and stuff like that. But like... like not really comprehending that the bar was being set that most schools wouldn't be able to reach yeah, was definitely a part of it. And that disproportionately the schools not able to reach that bar were going to be the, the only schools that were really open to Black doctors. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, when you think about the long-term ramifications on the health of Black people in the United States, like, this literally was part of a a problem that already existed, but only got worse, where there was not trust in the medical system. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, there have been a lot of people that do not see a doctor when they need one. Like, there is a, a just general downgrading of health for that entire Black community that happens as a consequence of this one report coming out. Right. 
um, that literally today is still a problem that we're dealing with. This isn't, even though it is history, it is history that is still impacting people, whether they realize it or not, um, which is what makes it so troubling and why I think we need to be very mindful of looking at moments like this and recognizing like the cause and effect where we're still in the effect part of something, even though we may consider it settled history. Yeah, for sure. I It still just kind of baffles me that he thought that, like, any any Black person that wanted a medical education could go to one of two schools. Like, <laughs> he didn't really think that. I mean, he we mentioned it a little bit. Like, he recognized that this was a limiter. But to him, the trade-off was that it would just be better to not have black doctors from those other schools than it would be to have black doctors. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. to have poorly educated black doctors, in his opinion, was going to be a much worse problem than having no black doctors, which is a weird way to look at it. Yeah. Um, Like, you can't have any help because it's not excellent help. Again, ideally, sure, you want everyone who is looking after people's health to have been excellently educated but to say no no resources are good enough so you don't get any resources is a really, really big problem. Yeah. It's it's the perfect being the enemy of the good in that Yes, point. 100%. And he seemed to think that the bolstering of Howard and Meharry would have some sort of ripple effect where Black education in the medical field would just get better everywhere and that subsequent openings of universities would be at that level. And it's like, you're presuming an awful lot on how this is going to work going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, oh, the blind spots of Abraham Flexner are a big, big problem. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.